This week on Across the Peak, Rich and I are going to tell you what is in our everyday carry intermediate bags, backpacks, bug out bags, go bags, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, that's what we're doing. Welcome to the Across the Peak Podcast, the show where Rich and Justin discuss preparedness, the birds and the bees, guns, history, tattoos, and well, basically all the stuff your old man should have taught you. Rich Brown's a failed 70s child actor, retired Marine Corps officer, and former cop. Justin Carroll, he's a washed up former special operator, half-assed author, and adventurer at large. Learn life skills, harden the fuck up, and become a dangerous man. Get your damn boots on, gents, because we're going across the peak rich what's going on man another day of sipping on guinness and talking to you my brother having a guinness huh i love it man i love it nothing sexy just tried and true guinness that's right brother that's right man uh is that would you say that is your go-to beer or or is or is or is there something else? I've got one beer in mind that if I sit down at a bar, like at a, if I sit at the bar at a restaurant or if I walk into a place, I've got one beer that's in my head that I'm always going to see if they have on tap. Is that is that yours? I would say so, yeah, probably. I mean, I'll always ask, what do they got dark on tap? And then we'll go from there, you know. Um, it depends. There's um Calf Killer Brewing Company is, is from here in part of Tennessee I'm in, and They've got some. Uh, you've had one, uh, the Scorned Hooker, which is pretty good. Uh, I'm a big fan. If I can get a black and tan, what is that? Half Guinness and half Harps or Smithics or something like that. Um, big fan of those. But just for something I can pick up at the grocery store and have a great beer, man, I'll probably grab Guinness. Yeah, Guinness is not a Guinness is not a bad beer at all. I like it. But man, my go-to beer. Well, I guess there's two of them, and either one I'm just as happy with if they got it on tap is either. Uh, Sam Adams Boston Lager. I don't like a lot of their seasonal stuff. I love their winter lager, but just good old-fashioned Sam Adams Boston Lager. I am crazy about that stuff. And the other one is Fat Tire. And I <laughs> I was talking about this with my girlfriend the other day. She loves Fat Tire as well. And we both remember a time when you could only get that stuff like out in and around Colorado. And at the time, man, Fat Tire was the cool in hip like hot fad beer to drink and now everybody kind of snubs their nose at it just because you can get it here the nature of the beer itself hasn't changed it's just the fact that everybody can get it now it's not cool anymore right yeah and there's a lot of things like when i'm in montana which i will be here in about a week uh i'll drink this thing called a moose drool which is really good out there if i'm down in new orleans i'll have an abita amber or abita turbo dog so if i'm in some of those towns where they have the beers that i like man i'll I'll definitely forgo my usual for that you know yeah and i'm with you there if i'm if i am in tennessee and can get my hands on wiseacre brewings got to get up to get down brother i'm gonna have some you you know that man well (laughs) i've stuck your fridge with that stuff many a time oh yeah so um what are we? We're t- this today is um is like EDC part two, right? Everyday carry part two, and we're going to talk mostly about the concept of a go bag, and then kind of let people know what we what we what we got in there, right? Yeah. Well, I haven't said what I'm drinking today yet. Oh shit! What are you drinking? And this is definitely a beer I want to put out there because I love this. 
It's from a brewery called Two Roads out of Stamford, Connecticut. And you can find their beer a lot of different places. The problem is you can't find this one. It's called, uh, again, the brewery's Two Roads. And this is called Lil Heaven. And, man, it, it describes itself as a crushable India Pale Ale. And it sure is, man. It's not overly hoppy. It's just got a nice, crisp... Man, it, it comes in a can. This is what I think of when I think of a hot day summertime beer, man. That sounds good, man. I've never had that before. It's real good. If, you, if you run across it, they've, they've, I really like their label design. Um, the, the beer is just fantastic. If you run across Two Roads Little Heaven, uh, do yourself a favor and grab a 12-pack of it. No doubt. Yeah, I've never even heard of it. I'll be on the lookout, bro. Anyway, I, I, I just had to get that out. Uh, do a little buzz marketing uh, for two roads. Do them a favor. Give them the old uh, across the peak bump, right? I'm sure they'll see it. Uh, your marketing rep, you can feel free to give us a call. <laughs> so anyway, I sorry to cut you off, man. You were just going into what the show is about and, and uh, saying that this is about our intermediate bags, our, our second line kit, our... probably a million different uh terminologies for what this actually is for me this is just it's it's kind of just my computer bag that i take to work this isn't a dedicated bag that sits in in a time capsule at home just waiting for me to break glass in case of emergency um so that's where i'm kind of coming from on this what else did you have to say on this because i'm just rambling on yeah justin i think of it pretty much identical to the way you do. You know, I'm, I'm not in any kind of unit where I need to have um, a kit bag that supports the mission or anything like that. So, you know, it's, the mission is kind of what we're going to talk about as in how we prepared for the things that are in our bag. Um, and we can get into some of the things that we've seen in other people's bags that maybe we agree with or don't agree with. And I don't even know, where do you want to start with this thing? Well, so I, I just kind of wanted to talk about kind of my philosophy on this, my strategy on this. So anytime you talk about a go bag or, or bailout bag or bug out bag or, or whatever the case may be, or, or just the backpack that you carry around on a daily basis as a preparedness-minded person or a self-defense-minded person, I think the tendency <clears throat> is always to jump to, oh, what weapons can I put in here and what you know, survival type stuff can I put in here and that sort of thing. And that, like I hinted at, that's not how I view this at all. I actually have this bag full of stuff that I actually use on a daily basis. Almost everything in my bag gets used on a regular basis with the exception. I do have a fairly robust first aid kit. I have had some fairly extensive medical training and I'd like to be able to take advantage of that if the need arise. And a a big part of that is just having the stuff on hand. So I have a decent first aid kit that doesn't get used for, or most of the materials in that doesn't get used. I, you know, I keep band-aids and stuff like that in it as well. But um, the majority of my stuff is not, is kind of tailored to my lifestyle, not maybe daydreams about what might happen in some like very outlier type scenario or what I would, what I like to imagine my life as being like, it's it's actually kind of tailored to fit what I actually do on a day to day basis or week to week basis or, or whatever the case may be. Does that make sense? It does make sense, and um, and and same here. I mean, as we go into the bag, you'll see that mine is probably tailored a little bit more to the winter time frame, but uh, 
maybe not so much. Maybe that's just what I <laughs> I have in here right now. But uh, I, I did want to keep it true to what my bag is set up for. And normally, if I'm traveling more than you know, say five or ten miles from home, maybe twenty plus miles from home, I'll throw it in the in my truck. But um, gosh, man, I, I couldn't agree with you more though on on the whole idea of this isn't what Rich's uh, future weirdo fantasy bag this is like uh it helps me you know be successful in my daily tasks yeah and if if you look at things um you know not just not just my daily tasks but i travel and i i've looked at things uh, back in i don't know if you remember rich but the power went off widespread in the atlanta airport and as a result people sat on the terminal for hours and hours and hours, sometimes in the double-digit hours, still sitting on an airplane uh, that has run out of water, run out of food to give to people, um, just sitting there on that runway because that uh, that airport can't get those, um, what do you call it, jet bridges out to the planes to get those people unloaded. You've got people sitting there 14, 15 hours. Uh, around the same time, I think it was JFK Airport had a massive flood in the terminal, left all these people soaking wet without, you know, without any of their baggage. They're basically stuck there with what they have, and it takes hours and hours and hours to deal with that. Um, and these are outlier scenarios for sure, but I have traveled enough, I've, and I still continue to travel quite a bit. I have traveled such that I've been on planes that have had to make emergency landings. I've been on airplanes that the oxygen masks have dropped. I've, if it almost if it can go wrong on an airplane or in and around an airport, I have experienced it. So it, my lifestyle dictates that I travel a lot, spend a lot of time, kind of at the mercy of the airline. So with that being said, I I, I kind of tailor my bag to those situations, and I guess the difference is the thing I have in there, the the stuff that I have in there, the comfort items like snacks and water and stuff like that. They're, they're not, like I said, they're not in that time capsule for an emergency. Those are also stuff that I snack on at, you know, at work or uh, when I'm, you know, when I'm sitting in traffic on a long commute or, or whatever, that stuff actually gets used and cycled out all the time, which brings me to another good point about this. If you actually use this stuff, it's not a, a kit that you have to service every six months, open it up, change out your water change out your food, see what's gone bad, see what is leaking or whatever. If you actually use this stuff, stuff just gets cycled out naturally. Yeah, totally. And last year in Europe, we took a, a commuter flight. Uh, I forget where we landed, but the uh, the airport terminal is a r- rather small terminal, and they had a power outage. And we, had to, we thought, man, we finally made it. We ended up having to sit on the plane for another hour, just twiddling our thumbs so they could get power restored to the to the place. So this stuff happens and shoot, I was a, um, a, a, was a, uh, Delta airlines platinum medallion member. And I was a Hilton honors diamond, uh, VIP elite or whatever the hell they call it. But from traveling so much, so from all that experience, and we'll probably do a show one day on, on how to travel efficiently and effectively. But from some of those lessons learned, I think you and I both have, put some bags together that are pretty good. Yeah. And, and even those outlier scenarios aside, uh, no power out, no emergency landing, no, no, nothing like that. Around the same time in those two events that I have in mind, I was on a flight from the West coast 
uh, to a major East Coast city, and because of some weather, my first flight was delayed, which meant I missed my connecting flight, and it set in motion this entire chain of events that culminating in me landing in a city that was not my intended destination, renting a car and driving eight hours. My bag was lost. It didn't catch up to me for another day and a half or two days, and the city that I was going to on the East Coast, that's not my home city. I don't have anything there, so had I not had this bag... And thankfully, I did. I would have, I would have, quite honestly, been a lot less comfortable, and probably would have spent a lot more money buying a change of clothes and whatever else. But um, yeah, I, I guess our big point is here: uh, this bag should meet some basic needs. It, it, I do look at this as kind of a survival bag, but it's not strictly survival stuff. It's stuff that meets multiple different use cases. This is stuff that will improve my convenience or comfort most of the time. Most of the time, during the day, it's nice to have bottles. Of, like, I, I carry two quarts of water in my bag. It's nice to have water because I drink water all day. It's um, uh, cheaper than buying bottled water. I can easily track how much water I'm drinking and, and all that good stuff. But I, I just make a very minor change and put that into a single-walled stainless steel container. Guess what? Now I've got the same one-quart water bottle that everybody else else has, uh, but I can boil water really easily in mine. It's, it's made to have a wide mouth so I can fill it up from any really shallow source. Just very minor changes to these things that are kind of common items anyway can make them a lot more flexible through a lot more different use cases. Right on. So... Do we want to talk about what, how to choose the bag or where do we want to start? Oh crap, man. We, we can. And I, I like, I'll just be honest with you. I'm not going to tell you what bag I carry. Uh, I will say it's a, it's a fairly expensive, uh, bag. It's, it's just a midsize, like three day assault pack sized, uh, backpack. It's not a military backpack. Um, but I, I guess kind of some, uh, some generalities. Uh, first of all, I would try to avoid going with something that looks overtly military and has, you know, big, uh, big Velcro panels on it and is multicam and whatever else. What, what say you? I carry a, uh, uh, I think it's a Vertex EDC commuter sling bag. And I absolutely love this thing. It's a little pricey, probably close to 200 bucks, but, uh, I, I think it is phenomenal. And we'll talk, why I love this damn thing so much. It's black, I pro- which is fine. Uh, they offer it in several colors. Uh, black to me is just, it blends in a little bit better. It's, I don't want it too tactical. There's probably a green one I would have preferred, but um, the vice president of the company gave me one, and I wasn't going to look a gift horse in the mouth. Yeah, agreed. So the way I pick my bag is basically based off the ability to carry a laptop. Uh, I have to carry a laptop for work. I have to travel with a laptop a lot. And I don't I don't leave my laptop at home ever if I travel because I, I have to use it. I have to have that access. So that's kind of the linchpin of my whole system is being able to carry a backpack. So if you're a person that works in an office with a computer, I would probably say pick a backpack or a sling bag or whatever that accommodates your computer that can just turn into your day-to-day work bag. I'm not, I'll be honest with you, man, I'm not going to carry a backpack with all my, with all my emergency equipment, survival stuff, whatever you want to call it, in addition to a computer bag that I have to carry anyway. So I think you get a lot of mileage from kind of combining use cases. Uh, If you, 
I don't, if you're a construction worker that carries a lunchbox every day, I'd probably pick some kind of backpack that could double as your lunchbox or look at your individual situation and find something that works with it already. I, I, I would kind of advise against like a sole dedicated separate bag quite just logistically because most people aren't going to bother to carry it and have it with them. Yeah, I, I agree with you. You can uh, laptop fits great in here, but it also has a compartment for. I think you've seen this bag. You know, you can spin it around and unzip it, and it it fold, falls open and reveals all your kit inside. And it's it's really great for one handed manipulation and some other really cool stuff. So I'm definitely loving this bag. Um, which which on that I like. Let, I'll just sidetrack on that. I'm kind of against carrying a firearm in a bag. Um, if you carry a firearm in that bag, that, that means at that point you're married to that bag. You can't set it down. Uh, I would be like, I would be constantly checking that thing. If I set it down in a restaurant or something, uh, my firearm goes on my body. That's where it goes. End of story. Um, I, I, and, and if I, if I'm in a situation where I can carry a firearm, why would I put it in a bag? Even if it's a sling bag with quote unquote quick access, because, I just don't see how it's going to be as quick as taking it out of my out of my holster. Yeah, and for that, I I don't believe in off body carry either, which may sound uh, like I'm contradicting myself, but it goes back to how you intend on using the bag. Like I don't put a laptop in that bag. Uh, that bag stays in the truck unless I have to grab that bag and go treat somebody's wounds or um, I, I don't have a firearm on me for whatever reason I grab the bag. I mean, the bag pretty much stays married to, married to the truck uh, or in the house unless I have to go. So it's not something that I'm necessarily walking around with, which goes back to, you know, how do you intend on using it? What is it doing for you? Um, that bag, because I do carry firearms and ammunition in it, doesn't necessarily go through the airport with me. If I do take it through the air, I have another bag for the airport, not that one. Um, but and that one, I, I keep sanitized. I don't have guns, magazines, or any kind of crap like that in it. Because I last thing I want is TSA finding a nine mil round in it when I'm going through security. Yeah. So my solution for that, I do carry a couple extra magazines in my bag. And, and that is just for the simple purpose of if, you know, if I find myself in some kind of, uh, you know, last, last year I did a major trip that was about 1600 miles both ways. Um, if I find myself 1600 miles away from home with what I've got in the vehicle with me, I want to have a little more than just my one magazine in my gun and the other one on my body. Uh, I also carry uh, an extra knife in my bag and a multi-tool in my bag. And those are all three things that I can't take on an airplane. So what I've done for that is put those into this little zippered pouch with a great big red remove before flight tag. And ammo never gets put anywhere else in that bag. Knives, sharps, whatever. They all go into that one little separate compartment. And before I go to the airport, I make sure I remove that remove before flight bag. That's that's its own discrete little little uh, module in there. But generally, yeah, I, I wouldn't carry loose ammunition. I wouldn't carry, uh, you know, magazines or anything of that nature in my bag because, man, it's just the, the risk of one nine mil round. Even though in the TSA's own studies, the TSA misses 95% of stuff that they try to get through, still the penalty for that's pretty damn high potentially. Yeah, my brother was with a 
he's still on active duty and he was with a unit and they were down at the Miami airport. <clears throat> and part of his job was to try to smuggle some stuff through the airport. And I think they did it at um, Fort Lauderdale International Airport as well. And, you know, he had um, some guns and some explosives and all kinds of stuff. And he did it. And then his wife, who's also a, uh, in the military, they had a, them do it as a team. And they would just make polite chit-chat with the TSA guy and get him distracted. And he, he said he felt terrible because he didn't, you know, ruin this guy's life. But he also wanted to, you know, make make everything safer. And he and they were able to smuggle all kinds of stuff through there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, that's kind of been time and time again, yeah. Uh, on the other hand, I've... Uh, <laughs> so before I implemented this remove-before-flight system, I always kept a multi-tool and an, and an extra knife in my backpack and I was I was flying out of San Diego. I was flying back up uh, back to my house, and I had gotten food poisoning the night before, or a couple nights before in San Diego. And I mean, just I was working both ends, man, all night long. I didn't eat for like twenty four hours. So, needless to say, that Saturday morning, this happened on like Thursday night. That Saturday morning, when I got to go to the airport, I was not firing on all cylinders. Threw my bag down on the conveyor. It goes through the x-ray. Guy's like, pulls me aside. And I was like, oh, God, here it comes. Come on, let's just get this over with. I don't know what you see in there, but I don't have anything. He's like, you got any You got any weapons in here, any knives, anything like that? And I was like, nope. <laughs> Two seconds later, he's holding a knife and a multi-tool in his hand, just looking at me. And I was like, ah, oh, crap, man, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, on the other hand, I flew all the way to Australia with a Benchmade folder, all the way to Australia and back with a Benchmade folder in my laptop bag that I didn't even know about. So, Yeah, and I, I did too, man. I flew, but this was pre-9-11, with a, a, a K-bar, dude, all the way through and back uh, one time. I mean, that's like, a, what, an 8-inch blade? I mean, that's ridiculous. But I was flying with a, and I think I may have told you this story before, uh, me and my uh, partner with my other show, the American Warrior Show, Mike Seeklander, and I were flying with a, a gentleman who... I was with uh, CAG, Combat Applications Group, the um, the unit formerly referred to as Delta. And he had retired from there, and he had been an air marshal for a while, and we were flying to a shooting course. And uh, he had his bag full of kit. I mean, unloaded magazines, holsters, anything and everything with the exception of the gun and the bullets. And, man, they snatched him up quick, and we were, we were able to talk our way out of it, but... You know, he, he's like, man, I didn't think it was a big deal. He goes, I've, I've flown on commercial airliners for years with all kinds of stuff that shall remain nameless. But uh, but the one time he was flying as a civilian the first time was with me and Mike, and uh, he got jacked up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it it does happen, man. And uh, that's not the situation you want to be in. I, I, I will throw that out early. I would planned on talking about that little uh, portion of my kit later on. But as a matter of fact, I use that uh, multi-tool today. I use that quite frequently, and I think it's an important thing to have in your bag. Uh, I, I tend to like the Gerber multi-tools just because that was the first one I ever bought years and years and years ago, probably in the very early 2000s. Uh, but I always keep a multi-tool in there. I've got this additional little uh, screwdriver bit set for it. Uh, and I always keep an extra knife in there, and, and we'll get to the philosophy behind that, but... Uh, basically with, with my bag, I, I kind of like the idea of if my house is on fire in the middle of the night and I had to run out naked 
and all I could grab was one thing. I'd grab that bag and I would have my, you know, just my basic needs met with that bag to include having a knife. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that, man. And this is really, I mean, I think the way that um, we're going to discuss it, I think your outline is solid, but I would almost say I probably need to make a video of this just going through my bag because there's so many little micro decisions that influence where that piece of kit is inside the bag, why it is there. You know what yeah, I mean? and, and, and both of us have gone back and forth on how to, on exactly how far in the weeds we want to go with this and how long the show is. So this show might be, man, this could be a Joe Rogan length three and a half hour podcast. I guess, I guess we'll just see where it goes. So, uh, all right. So we talked about choosing the bag itself and, and you and I are veering from the path quite a bit here and that's fine. We will always bring it back to the, to the top of hand, but we talked about choosing the bag itself. I would say generally a backpack, you can put it on both shoulders, have your hands free, uh, all that good stuff. Um, or a sling bag gives you that same capability. Um, the thing I found is I have on some sling bags and carrying them over a long distance for a long period of time, like for eight hours at a time, they get pretty uncomfortable. They're, they're, to me, they're just not as comfortable as a backpack. Um, and you never know when you're going to find yourself, find yourself a foot. Um, then again, you know, let your lifestyle dictate. If you're one of these people that doesn't own a car, you walk 10 minutes to work and 10 minutes home, then, you know, maybe, maybe a sling bag's fine, but I have a, you know, pretty substantial commute into work. It's in the, you know, double digit miles. And if I were on foot, it would take me some hours to cover that ground. So, uh, also just generally, I, I try to avoid the military look that that's on you. I don't, I don't have a firm opinion. There's enough people carrying military backpacks. You're probably not going to stand out that much, quite honestly. So, all right. So we've got our bag, Rich. What do we put in it? Well, I think you need to have probably some identification in there, right? Yeah, I am a big believer that you should have some identification in this bag. And I carry two pieces of identification in my, uh, in what I call my administrative module. This is one specific pouch within my backpack that has kind of admin items. This is not emergency stuff, but this is basically if I lost my wallet, this is a replacement for my wallet. I don't have to be like, oh crap, I don't have any ID. I don't have any credit cards. I don't have any whatever. This is basically a, a duplicate for my wallet. So yeah, I have uh, my passport and my passport card in that pouch on my backpack. And I use my passport enough that it kind of makes sense to, to keep it relatively handy. Um, and I keep those two things in a, there's a reason I like those two things. First, they're both federally issued IDs. So they're issued by the federal government. They should be accepted by any any state government anywhere, they should be recognized as an official ID. They have very long expiration dates. Your passport's good for what? What is it, Rich? Ten years? Ten years, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's good for a very long period, so it's not like it's gonna, going to expire in two years. Uh, and it doesn't have a home address on it. So if I lose this bag, if this bag gets stolen, whatever, you don't know where I live, and you're like, oh, I see all the stuff this guy has in this bag. I'm just going to go to his house and... He, he's probably got a bunch of other cool stuff, too. So uh, I like that stuff for that reason. The only thing I'm really, really careful about with my passport, especially since I got a new passport uh, about a year and a half, two years ago, uh, I think I was one of the last people to have a passport without that RFID chip. 
I always carry that in an RFID blocking bag. Uh, but a, an extra government-issued identification, I think, is absolutely imperative to have in this bag. No, I would agree with it. I would agree with all that. So uh, what about money? Uh, I, you know. Uh, well, I, I think it's hard to do much of anything without some money. So if you have to, if you lose your wallet, uh, I, and I carry money in multiple different forms here, and let's start, let's go little to big. So I always have some coins. And it seems counterintuitive, but I found myself at the Denver airport at four in the morning, completely stuck, been traveling all day. My flight out's canceled. Nothing opens for two or three more hours, and I'm starving to death, and i got to feed myself out of vending machines. Uh, I like to have some coins. You might have to pay parking meters in some cities. You may have to pay tolls in some places with coins. I always like to have 4 or $5 in quarters uh, in, my, in my bag. Uh, the next thing, I'm probably going to have somewhere between 30 and $40 in small bills, 10s, 5s, and 1s. Uh, and then I'm going to have, and we'll just say, a couple hundred bucks in hundreds uh, just in case. Again, this is, this is assuming that I am, uh, that I'm somewhere, you know, far from home, which again, mates up with my lifestyle. This, if this doesn't apply to your lifestyle at all, you can disregard some of this, or you can lower the amount of cash we'll say, but if I'm somewhere far from home, I, it's probably going to take me a little bit of money to get back home. So I'm going to always going to have a little bit of money on me, on me. And then the last thing I, I, I'm almost on the fence about saying this one, but uh, I also keep a one ounce gold American Eagle in my backpack uh, because I have a theory. I have a, a principle, I guess you'd say, more so than a theory, that I will never travel anywhere on the planet without taking enough money in some sort of liquid asset like gold to get myself back home. Um, and and there, are, there are outlier cases, but there's plenty of, of cases that prove this out where you know, a, I have a friend that traveled to a country, happened to be traveling to a country when that country's government collapsed, money became worthless. It, it became really, really hard to get out of that uh, country. So yeah, you should definitely have some money on there. And then uh, you might also want to think about having duplicates of maybe your credit card, maybe your ATM card, which I want to point out is not the same thing as a debit card. Uh, your debit card has very very different legal protection than a credit card. If your credit card gets stolen and used, you can. it's really easy to get that money back. If your debit card gets stolen and used, your bank's probably going to take care of you, but the, the legal obligation is much less so than a credit card. Uh, so what you might want to ask your bank for is a duplicate ATM card rather than a debit card. That would be my number one option because it can't be used for any purchases. No one can swipe it to buy anything. It can only be used in tandem with your pen to take money out of the ATM. So that's my that's my money module. I would say some coins, some small bills, and then depending on your lifestyle situation, you know, bump up the cash from there depending on, like, basically depending on how far you travel from home. I love that, man. I learned something there. I don't normally carry change, but uh, I'm going to throw some in there because that's a great, great idea. And, you know, I've mentioned it on another episode. Normally in my bag, I only carry 520s, but I think the idea of carrying some smaller bills is probably, probably a solid idea. Yeah. And my, you know, my strategy with that is the same. If I've got to feed myself out of vending machines, I want the smallest bills I can get in case I don't get change. 
uh, if I've got to buy something from a gas station, I don't want to pull out a hundred dollar bill to, you know, to buy a gallon of water and some Snickers bars. I'm going to do that in the smallest transaction I possibly can. Uh, um, And, you know, again, there's also the situation of paying for tolls and and all that stuff. I don't want to have to break a hundred dollar bill every time I find myself on a toll road. And these things are all over the country. Um, I, the first time I ever encountered one of these was, uh, was in Florida. I didn't have a, I didn't have a dime of change on me. I didn't have a single coin on me. And all of a sudden I find myself on a toll road and the only way you pay it is to toss coins into a basket. There's no human there. And I, I had no choice, but to just drive through it. And I got a ticket later in the mail for, I don't know, 20 or 30 bucks. Yeah. I've had the same exact thing happen to me. So you'd think I would have learned my lesson the first time, but not so much. So yeah, I'm going to do that. I love that idea. Um, next, I think is uh, keys, right? Yeah, I, I'm big on having uh, having some extra keys. Um, at a minimum, an extra house key and an extra car key. Now, this car key is not going to help you if you keep your bag in the car all the time. My bag, if I take it out of the house, it doesn't stay in the car. It it, it comes with me. There's there's just with some very, very small exceptions of maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm going into a, I'm, as you know, I live on the outskirts of a city. If I'm actually going into the city and, you know, where if something goes wrong, I'm going to be several hours getting back out and getting on the road. I can't take a firearm many places in that city. So maybe I'll throw my gun in my bag and leave my bag in the car. But generally, if I take the bag out of the house, it goes with me everywhere. Um, so, having an extra car key is pretty important. If I lose my keys or if I have to run out of my house in the middle of the night, just practically because it's on fire, I would like to have a car key. Um, and then other things, if you have, you know, if you have gun cases or, or a storage locker somewhere, you might want to consider having that key, uh, with you as well. So uh, for me, this is also a big, big reason that I'm a firm believer in not carrying anything with my home address on it. If I have my home address, I don't also want to provide that person with a key to my house. I, I, I that just doesn't seem to make sense to me. No, that's a, that's a great idea. And that's something else that I have been negligent on uh, having extra keys in my bag, but um, I'm taking notes. So <laughs> great point. Uh, yeah. And you, you, you don't have to go down to locksmith and pay $300 for a new remote for your car. Most cars have a just a mechanical key that will get... Even if you have a car with completely keyless entry, I bet there's a little panel you pop off somewhere that reveals a mechanical keyhole. And that mechanical key with a transponder in it will be maybe 30 or 40 bucks instead of 180. Hmm. But it'll, it'll still unlock your car. It'll still start your car. It's just... It, it, the plus side, it'll be a much smaller key too. Yeah, absolutely. And I see the next thing on here is a note-taking gear pens, pencils, notepad. Uh, of course, I've got that in the top pouch. You can, you always have that, uh, or should have that. What do you carry yours for? Um, <laughs> for taking notes, man, I use it all the time. I use it constantly. Um, so I, I'm a big believer in, I, I've got to write stuff down, man. I, I have a very good memory for some things, and for other things, not so much. I, I tend to remember concepts really well. And I know that coming up in, 
you know, in late November, I have a tattoo appointment on a day that ends in five. It might be the fifth. It might be the 15th. It might be the 25th. I, I don't know. Somebody's going to call me probably and tell me the day before or, or whatever. Uh, but if I didn't write that down, it, it would not be anywhere any longer. So I have to write crap like that down. Um, I'm sure you probably have some other way cooler reasons to have note taking gear on you. Nope. That's it. And I mean, if you need to leave a note for somebody, hey, uh, I ran out to get, you know, I don't know, whatever. Or you need to leave a note on your car or I, I don't know. There, there's a lot of good reasons to have this. And again, I'm, I'm not about single use items. I'm not about having a bunch of items in my bag that are limited to I can only use it for one single thing. I'm going to have this very high. I'm going to have nods, night vision goggles in my bag. That's a very specific single-use item. I will. I, that's not something I'm going to waste the money or the space on or the weight on. But paper, you, man, you can use for all kinds of stuff, including as a fire starter. You can use it for all types of uses for a piece of paper. Yeah, so the next one we probably should talk about is a flash drive, right? I've got three in my bag and probably need to scale that down to one now. And uh, tell us what you use yours for. Uh, so mine just has a backup of it. It's very, very well encrypted. And I've got scans of, well, to be honest with you, man, it's a 128 gig drive and it has just about all the important stuff on my computer, except all my, all my photos. So again, if my house burned down, if I'm, if I'm out and about with my bag and my house burns down, I've got to grab this bag and jump out the window. I still have a copy of my important documents. As long as I can get to a computer, I can decrypt those documents I can show my deed to the house. I can show my insurance policy. I can I can prove that I own these bank accounts, whatever the case may be. Yeah, I like that. And do you have a recommendation on encrypted uh, thumb drive? Well, I'll tell you the one I have in my bag is a it's a pretty expensive flash drive. It's called the the Corsair Survivor, and it's a flash drive that's built into this aluminum tube with a screw on top. And I really just got that one because it's really, really rugged. I don't have to worry about it breaking. I don't have to worry about it getting wet. Uh, I don't have to worry about, you know, just it getting smashed in my bag. My, like, believe it or not, man, my bag gets tossed around pretty, it, it, it sees a lot of use uh, from, you know, I hike in this bag. I, it, it's, it's not just a, you know, it's not just a commuter bag. So I, I just bought that one because it's really rugged. And then I encrypted it myself with uh, a tool called called Veracrypt. And I, I can definitely write an article on how to use that. And I'm sure at some point we will do an, an episode on, you know, data security, digital security, whatever you want to call it, because I, I can speak at length about that. Yeah. I, I literally just took some notes on that. So Corsair Survivor. All right, man, I'm going to have to get one of those. Yeah, man. It's a, it's a pretty cool drive. Uh, so admin stuff. What have I missed, man? Um, I think you got it all. I mean, I, the only thing that, that I was thinking while you're talking is like i've been in israel where you've, you've been in israel right yes sir do, do they still have those phone tokens the last time you were there i don't or is that a long time ago i, I was not there very long yeah uh basically just long enough to get drunk in haifa a couple times and that's about it <laughs> yeah well i mean there's certain places where you you might need some other uh stuff to get around in israel at the time i was there you had these phone tokens if you wanted to make a call so i kept one on my uh, around my neck, literally, because I didn't want to be caught without it. But if there's something like that in the area you're at, or let's say you have some uh, credentials, like I I was going through my bag in preparation for this, and my 
emergency services coordinator badge was still in there from uh, when I was doing that stuff for Tennessee Emergency Management Agency. So if you have creds, I would throw them in there as well. Yeah, so I, I'm going through mine right now just to see if I'm forgetting about anything. But that's that's a really good point, man. I, I like that a lot. So yeah, my extra keys. Well, I'm not I'm not gonna. Oh, so another thing I carry in there also is a is a backup flashlight. So my Phoenix LDO two, I carry a second one of those in my backpack. So whatever eventuality I happen to start, again run out of the house in the middle of the night naked, and all I got time to grab is this bag. I've got my basic stuff. I've got, I can basically put my wallet back together. I've got my keys, I've got my knife and I've got my flashlight. Um, I've got a really good starting point to go on from there. Well, and I like yours. I'll, I'll be completely honest with you. I think our bags are set up for, for a little bit different, uh, ideas, but yours is more like I will tailor a bag to be that travel bag when I'm traveling. But this is more like the one I've got sitting here next to me is more of my, you know, it goes in my truck, and if the truck breaks down, I grab the the bag and we go mobile kind of thing. But uh, I like I, I like the concept. No, I, I I'm with you, man, and I I like the I like the idea of it of of tailored bags for specific situations. And if if I had the as you know, I travel pretty light. I haven't lived anywhere longer than two years since I was 16 years old. I try to keep possessions kind of to a minimum. I don't. I don't have a like a house full of stuff. And like while I, I would love to have a all right, if quote unquote the shit hits the fan and you know, whatever, and I've got a bug out, like this is what I'd love to have that bag set aside. But for me it doesn't make sense. Financially, it's expensive to put together a bag like that. It takes up space. It's something I gotta move every time. It's something I gotta maintain. Uh, it, it just doesn't make sense for me. This bag I use every day, it, it's it's very much a generalist bag. If I go for a hike, I throw a couple more things in there. If I get on an airplane, I take a couple things out of it. Uh, but other than that, man, from from you know hopping in the car to drive out to your house, you know many hours to hopping on an airplane to fly to another country to just going to my office, I pretty much have the same capability day in and day out, no matter what. It's not perfect for any of those situations, but it's good enough for all of them. Yeah, I agree, and I like the idea of the remove, bef- you know, remove before flight module. Uh, I'm literally thinking like I could put all that stuff that can't fly with me, like in a big red bag, and just rip the red bag out right before you take off. I like that. Yeah, and, and so actually, I I have a little internal pocket that I have a completely separate bag that those things are zipped up in. So if a round pops out of a magazine, it's still contained in that bag, and that goes into a little pocket in my backpack. But I always leave that. I bought a, a cloth remove before flight tag online and that's always hanging out of that. So as soon as I look in the bag, I see that every single time, or if I'm about to get on a flight, I pull that thing out and throw it in my check bag or leave it at home. Yeah. I'm, I'm still in that idea. So let's talk about electronics, man. What do you do there? Oh man, I've got a, so I've got a bunch of stuff here and this is tailored to my lifestyle. So actually Hold on one second, Rich. I'm going to pull out this bag and go through it, case like item by item, while we uh, while we talk about it here. Because I, you might have to rein me in, man. I can definitely talk about this stuff ad nauseum, and I don't want to bore the listener. But I've put a lot of thought in, into this. So at a minimum, I think you should absolutely 100 percent 
anywhere you are likely to find yourself, be able to charge your phone. Uh, so in, in my use case, traveling more or less constantly, I travel less now, which I'm really grateful for, but traveling all the time, man, your phone is your lifeline. Your phone is how you get in touch with people when you land where you land. It's how you book hotels when you get stranded on the ground. It's how you call the airline to get rebooked. It's how you navigate yourself from the airport to wherever you're going. It's how you manage all these different things. It contains a myriad of information. So I have thought very long and very hard and very deeply about how to keep my phone charged. So uh, first things first, I have a charging cable in there. That is probably no surprise at all. Uh, I also have uh, an extra battery, like a pre-charged battery. You know what I'm talking about, Rich? Yeah, I have one in my bag also. Yep. Now, I couldn't tell you who makes it or anything, or how many kilojoules or whatever it will do, but it'll give me about one or two charges at least. Yeah, so my... Uh, Mine is made by a company, call, a company called Anchor, A-N-K-E-R, and they make a variety of different sizes. Mine's about the size of a candy bar, and I will get about two full charges. If my phone is completely dead, I'll get about two full charges plus a little bit, maybe another quarter to a half a charge based on that. And when I am traveling, you'll notice if you ever travel with me, I am compulsive about keeping my phone at 100%. Uh, just because I've been in way too many of these situations. So when I'm at the airline terminal, I'm not using my pre-charged battery. I'm finding a chair with a with a outlet, and I'm plugging my phone in, and it's going to be at 100% when I get on that plane. If I happen to get on that plane and they have chargers built into the seats, guess what I'm doing? I'm plugging that phone in. I'm keeping it at 100%. When I land and I get in my rental car, I'm fishing out my cable and I'm plugging it in, and I'm keeping my phone at 100% until I get to my hotel and I'm comfortable with my area. But you use your phone so, so much for navigation, for communication, for all these other factors. I think it's almost irresponsible not to keep it charged, and it it drives me crazy, man. Like, I see, you know, I see tons of travelers, and I'll be standing in lines behind somebody that's about to get on a cross-country flight for five, six hours, with, I don't know, 25% on their battery. And I, I'm like, man, how, how do you even do this? Yeah, and there's no reason for it, man. These things, I've got an Adoro. I just looked at it at the external battery charger for my iPhone. But these things are like 25 bucks. Keep one charged up. Keep it with you. I mean, that's just, there's no reason not to have one. They're super light. I mean, they take up almost no space. Why not? And, and yeah, there, there are times where you'll, you know, where you'll need that. I use mine, I use mine fairly frequently. I try to use it at least once a month if I'm not traveling just to exercise the battery, but uh, yeah, I keep that thing charged up. So I always have a cable for my phone and I have a cable to charge my battery pack. And, you know, like I said, I was in a situation where just to get from the West coast to the East coast took me 24 hours involved about six hours of driving in a rental car. Uh, I, I needed to be able to use that phone the entire time. So, uh, two cables, one to charge the phone, one to charge the battery. I have a, just a standard USB, uh, 110 volt to five volt USB adapter so I can charge my phone. Uh, but I also have a second one that has two USB ports and that might sound redundant, but I can charge my phone and my battery at the same time off of that um, 110-volt plug. So you might be wondering why I also have the one that only fits into one, that only holds one USB accessory. 
It's because it's much smaller, and I've been in airports during Christmas time and Thanksgiving time and whatever, where if you can get, if you can find room to get one charger in, you're, you're doing really, really good, and I don't want to only have that, the, the big one that takes two USB cables, which won't fit into all spaces. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes total sense, and that's, that's uh, I do all that, and, uh, you know, the next thing I see that you have on here, maybe I'm jumping ahead, uh, is batteries. Since we're talking about charging stuff, yeah. So I have, uh, yeah, I have extra AAA batteries, uh, and those are basically for my EDC flashlight. Um, and I always keep an extra set of earbuds in there, uh, just because that man, that's my entertainment, dude. I listen to podcasts and audiobooks. I, I, I listen to music when I'm at home cooking dinner or whatever. But when I'm traveling and it's pumped right into my head, I'm trying to learn something, trying to. You know, it, like that's what's more entertaining to me than than music. It it takes my mind off the travel and all that stuff. So, uh, in a nutshell, that's that's what I'm what I'm rocking with. And and one other thing, one other app I will uh, mention. I I don't like to mention a ton of apps, but I always keep an app on my phone called OSM AND OSM AND. And this is uh, an open street maps application that lets you download. You can, if you've got the storage space, you can download map data for the entire world. You can download maritime charts, contour line maps, whatever you need. Uh, I always download street maps uh, through this for wherever I'm going. Even if you don't have cell phone service, your GPS and your phone will still work. Uh, I think that's a massive value add for a for a cell phone. Yeah, same thing. The the earbuds for me is not just for uh, you know listening, but it's also communication, hands free communication, and batteries. I don't even run anything that necessarily takes two AA and two AAA, but I do carry two AA and two AAA in case I need that, as well as the CR one two three batteries for my. Uh, EDC flashlight, but I also have a headlamp in my kit. Absolutely love headlamps. I've got them. Seems like I've got one in almost every room in my house, as well as my bag. Love that stuff. Yeah. So um, actually, that's a. I carry two two double A's as well, even though I don't have anything in my uh, in my backpack that takes double A's. I bought this little four battery uh, like box. It's sized for it's sized perfectly for four double a batteries but i found that i can put two double a's and three triple a's in there it's watertight it's just it keeps them from you know the ends from touching each other and and all that stuff uh i'll I, we'll make sure there's links to all of the stuff in the show notes but the the preponderance of my electronics bag is crap to keep my phone up and running because in in any kind of emergency situation any kind of major travel inconvenience that's probably your single biggest asset, and, and it's foolhardy not to have the ability to keep that thing up and running under any and all conditions. Uh, one other thing that I have in there is a 12-volt uh, U- volt adapter that I can put into, like, a vehicle cigarette lighter plug, uh, and mine has two ports. So if I have to, I can charge my battery and my phone at the same time. It, it doesn't take up any more space. If it's flush with the basically the face of the twelve volt port uh, and all all that good stuff. Well, when you said watertight, you reminded me, and I just fished it out while you're talking. Of a smartphone watertight case. I've got one of these in my bag, and it's lanyard to the inside of the bag. And the thing I like about this is, at the moment, I don't I don't have my phone in it. I don't need to have my phone in it, but I have. If I was to, if I had to take this bag and pare it down, I could 
take this off the lanyard, remove it from the bag, and I have everything I need to start a fire. Um, and uh, it's got a multi-tool and some other really cool stuff in here. And I can empty this stuff out, put it in my pocket, and then put my phone, turn my phone off and put it in here to conserve the battery. Uh, so one of those things that I, I think is probably not a bad idea to, to carry. If you really want to nerd out on this, Rich, I also carry an iPod Touch in here that has basically a backup of my phone. Um, so if my it, it's an inexpensive, basically backup phone. It uh, unfortunately it only works on Wi-Fi. iPod Touch doesn't have a GPS chip or whatever. I I wouldn't recommend that for the generalist bag. Uh, that is kind of an outgrowth of my occupational specialization, I guess. But um, yeah, it, one thing I want to point out about this electronic stuff is it's all in its own bag. So it's basically, if I need anything electronics, I know, all right, find find this particular bag. And um, it, it's a the bag is a really good size. I'll, I'll put a link to the bag itself on Amazon too. It's a really robust bag. I've had this one for at least five years and it is still going strong. It's not even close to needing to be replaced. So um, I, I like having things like kind of, I guess, kind of uh, uh, moduled out. Well, like, if I, and I bring up the waterproof bag because I think my years in the Marine Corps and, and stuff has taught me that wherever I'm going, there's a high likelihood chance that it may be raining there. I may get wet or what have you. But <clears throat> like even my range bag, you know, uh, shooting IDPA this past Saturday, that you know, we were, there was a storm threatening, and I, I keep some stuff to keep my, my gear, uh, especially my electronic stuff, dry. Well, I can't escape the elements, but anyway, anything else on electronics, my man? Um, I don't think so, man. I think that pretty much covers it, and I know I kind of nerded out on that. You got anything to add to that? No, I don't think so at all. I think you covered everything, brother. All right, so what else? Uh, let's talk about, do uh, you want to go into your remove before flight module, or have you already kind of beat that down? I, I think I've beat that down pretty good. I, just just to hit it real quick, uh, two extra magazines for my for my daily carry handgun with magazine pouches, by the way. Uh, so if, you know, like I say, if I'm driving to, uh, you know, driving halfway across the country to New Orleans and get there and, you know, I, I, I was there during the hurricane last year, or not during, shortly after the hurricane last year, and I had some concerns just about the security situation. Um, I'm sorry, Houston. Uh, what what was the name of that hurricane? Anyway, um, I, I just like the ability to, if I'm in a, a higher threat situation, a, a situation with a higher likelihood of civil unrest, being able to strap on that extra magazine or two, probably not going to need them, but I'd rather have and not need than the other way around. Uh, I also carry a multi-tool in there that I talked about, an extra knife. And the one thing that I haven't mentioned is a fire starter. And my fire starter is a spark light, uh, and it's it's one of it, it's a machined aluminum model that you can change the flint out with. All it does, it's got a little wheel like a lighter, and it makes sparks. And you have to have it comes with some tender in the box, and that uh, you pull the tenders out, you pull the spark light out, and it catches those sparks really really well. And just real simple, real robust, be hard to uh, hard to break that thing. Yeah, uh, same thing here, Mike remove before flight would would like i said the glock 26 and i've got two extra magazines but they're glock 17 magazines but they'll fit either my glock 26 in the bag or the glock 19 on my waist uh the multi-tool i've got an extra knife in there um i've even got a knife this isn't something i started uh, after going to the uk last year 
the the only knife that you can carry over there um, I picked up from Spiderco, and because it's a weird carry anywhere, conformed to the weird UK laws. It also conform to a lot of like Chicago and stuff like that. So I keep that in the in the EDC as well because that's something that maybe I can carry in some of those really strange areas. Fire starter as well. I've, I've got a big lighter. I've got some matches as well as a little magnesium fire starter. Oh, and I, you know, and I'm gonna I'm gonna tell on myself. I, I have one other thing that may sound a, a bit odd. I do carry handcuffs um, because. You know, the ability to restrain someone without harming them, I think, is important. Although the legal risk associated with restraining someone and taking their rights away is huge. But I would rather do that than, you know, do long-term harm to someone who is having an episode or something. As far as uh, stuff to make a fireman, I have a Bic lighter, a book of a box of matches, I should say, and a little magnesium fire starter kit. Uh, and that's about that. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to have to look into what, what what was it you said you were using again? It's called a spark light. And it's a, they made them out of plastic for a long time. It comes in this little plastic box. It's maybe half the size of a deck of cards. And the, the little tool itself, it's, I don't even know how to describe it. It's basically just the striker portion of a Bic lighter on a little handle. And the other part of that box holds a bunch of these tenders they're just like these tightly packed cotton that you fan out a little bit and and shoot some sparks into yeah i like that and um we talked about uh fire starter kits those are very important because I, i'm addicted to staying warm justin i don't know if you knew that or not yeah man and and let me just say one thing on that so a fire starting kit is one of those things that most people will probably never use but i think it's important to have it in there because it takes up all, it, there's almost no cost. It takes up very minimal space. It takes up very minimal uh, weight. It's not dangerous. It's not a thing that is expensive. It's not something you have to replace or repair all the time. But if you need it, you really, really, really need it right then. Uh, so having it costs almost nothing, really easy to have it. And even if you don't need it, what have you really lost? Exactly. And I'll tell you, uh... Also, in that I've got a knife that I carried in Europe. It was one of the only kind of knives you could legally carry, and I uh, purchased it. And now I keep it in my uh, bag, in that removed before flight parts of the bag. That uh, is a knife that I could probably carry legally in Chicago or some of the places that are, you know, more uh, more or less non permissible environments. Do you, out of curiosity, do you mind saying what it is? Because that I might consider that as well. Yeah, it's a it's made by Bird, which is kind of uh, it's part of the Spiderco. It's it's I believe it's their uh, UK pin knife or something like that, specifically made for the UK market. Yeah, it's the Turn T E R N. Oh, gotcha. Okay, it's a UK legal knife. But I figure if it's legal, you know, if it's legal in the UK, man, come on, it's got to be legal here. Got to be, man. Um, what else? What else we need to talk about? Did we? Did we talked about? Uh, gosh, what do we leave off? I think we need to talk about. Uh, is it time to talk about first aid stuff? Yeah, and I know that. Um, I'll, I'll get mine out of the way real quick, and then I know you've got a lot of stuff in your bag. I carry a SWAT T tourniquet, which is that big rubber band looking tourniquet, as well as a Israeli pressure bandage. I have a, a a unit one medical bag in the house, and then I have a smaller basically like a unit one in my truck but this is just something to carry with me and um 
I don't really have Band-Aids and all the stuff I should have. Oh, and one final thing. I do carry some medication, you know, simple stuff. Benadryl if somebody's having an allergic reaction. Tylenol uh, and antacids, as well as three-day supply of my own personal prescription medication. I just made a note to to add Benadryl to mine. Uh, talk about talk about considerations with some prescription medications because that's not that's not something I have right now. I don't have prescription medications, but I would think if that's something that you really need, that's really really important to have and take care of, right? Yeah, one time I uh, I like I said I I got snowed in this place and I used up the three day emergency supply that I carry with me at all times. And I was still stuck. So I called my wife and I said, hey, can you call the doctor and call it into this place that I could walk down and get it? There was a pharmacy within walking distance. So it's something that you you definitely need to consider. Make sure that you cycle that stuff in and out because if not, it will go bad. I mean, normally the expiration date is one year and pharmacists will tell you it'll last longer than that. But as to how long, they're, they're not really going to say definitively. So it's been my take to just go ahead and cycle it in and out within the year. So I've got, I, I've got two questions on you, for you on that, and I'm, uh, I'm not trying to get you. I'm just genuinely curious. So first, do you have any kind of special uh, container that you keep that in to keep it, I don't know, free from light or to keep it from getting uh, the pills from getting chipped up or whatever? And two... Uh, are you aware of basically the legal requirement to carry that in a in a marked container that says that's for you if it's a prescription medication? And how do you deal with that? That's great questions. The one that, but again, our bags do different things. So this bag doesn't go through TSA. So it's just for rich and the stuff that's the uh, container that I have it in is waterproof and no light can get to the medication. The the uh, three-day supply that I have in my bag that I fly with. Now, those those pills remain in their, uh, the ones that were prescribed to me. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I would think if you were flying, even if it was to, um, I don't know, to somewhere just an hour away, I would probably want to have more than a three-day supply because, you know, as you and I both know, things definitely go go wrong with air travel. That might be the if I had something like that, I might beef it up uh, a little bit more than just exactly what I needed for the trip. Well, it's what I need for the trip plus three days. So if things go... Oh, gotcha. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, it's yeah. for the trip plus three. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, that makes that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, because I figure I can I can definitely get on the phone and, and get uh, our doctor to you know send me a script wherever I'm at. Yeah, yeah. So my first aid kit is a, a little bit more of... Um, I don't know, a little bit more of a generalist, I, I guess, also. So I carry it in an outdoor research organizer bag that I bought years ago. I wish I would have bought 10 of these things because I don't know that they still make them anymore. But it's just this organizer bag with a bunch of little pockets on it. I think it's for you know travel organization type deal. Uh, it's red in color, and I've got a, a, a cat tourniquet wrapped around the outside of it. So as soon as you look in my bag, you see this. It sits right on top of, of the big compartment of my backpack, there's this red container with a tourniquet wrapped around it. You know that's a first aid kit. The tourniquet just slips right off if you need that. And I apologize to the listener if you hear some noise. Uh, I'm opening this thing up as I talk about it. Uh, there's a, a very, very small flat zippered compartment on the front that I keep just some Band-Aids and butterfly dressings and uh, some over-the-counter medication in that uh, like ibuprofen and Imodium and 
I will now add Benadryl to that on, on your recommendation. The reason I have it in that front pocket is that pocket holds almost nothing, and that's not the, it's not the main compartment. So when you zip the main compartment of this thing open, the first thing that's going to hit you in the face is two pairs of individually wrapped latex gloves. Uh, there's a couple of combine dressings, and there's a couple of uh, rolls of, of gauze, sterile gauze. Um, there's another zipper compartment that has three or four more rolls of gauze, and then there's some other odds and ends stuff in here. There's some, uh, there's some burn, uh, uh, Vaseline gauze, a couple of strips of that. There's some, uh, if you get into the back compartment, that's really hard, takes the most time to get to basically, but because I basically tiered this for what do I need immediately versus what can I take a few minutes to get out? Uh, toward that back compartment, there's a couple of airway things, uh, a couple of nasopharyngeal airways. There's a uh, North America Rescue chest decompression kit that I, I have been trained to use. But uh, just for you guys out there, if you're an EMT or a first responder, um, I, I probably wouldn't use those on. I, I'll just tell you personally, my, that needle decompression kit, because of the scope of practice and the level of qualification that you should have to operate that, I would only use that on myself in the event of life and death or a family member in the event of life and death. I'm not going to use that on somebody in a motor vehicle accident on the side of the road that I don't know from Adam. Uh, this is for me and my immediate family. And then uh, I've got some things like uh, a couple little um, – uh, Rich, do you wear contacts? Um, I don't know if you know anyone that does, but you can buy these little uh, eye drops that come in individual – these little tiny – plastic individual packets. I keep a few of those in there because if, if you've ever been out in the woods and gotten something in your eye, it can be absolutely miserable. I like to have uh, kind of just a full spectrum first aid kit. Uh, uh, it will deal with trauma. Uh, it's not a full-on trauma kit, but it will deal with some trauma. I could probably take care of a gunshot or two depending on where they're at. Uh, I could probably take care of someone out of a car crash, but also, I can probably do the things that I'm much, much more likely to encounter, like treat a minor burn at the campfire or, uh, you know, rent something out of my eye or my girlfriend's eye if we go on a hike or, or stuff like that. Yeah, and that's a, I'm glad you mentioned that because in my bag, I also carry, um, my, I have age-related, you know, eye lo- vision loss. And uh, so I carry a backup set of uh, eyeglasses that are also safety rated. That's a great point. I'm glad you said that. And one other thing, you know, when you hear the listener may listen to this and go, tourniquets, I don't know. You know, I don't really know if that's something that I need. Well, I was reminded that uh, on my other show, the American Warrior Show, we're part of the American Warrior Society. And one of our members to the American Warrior Society was a student at Ohio State University on the morning of the uh, terrorist attack there, November the 28th, 2016 I don't know if you remember that, Justin, the Somali refugee rammed his vehicle into a crowd of students and then jumped out and started stabbing people. And this... I actually don't don't remember that. uh, Oh, yeah, man. Um, I think he injured like 13 people until an OSU police officer shot and killed him. But this young man who was on the campus as well, he saw what was going on. He wasn't sure it was an active shooter or whatever. He saw people down on the deck and... He had two tourniquets in his backpack and was able to hand them to law enforcement, and they were able to hopefully save a life with one of those. And he carried soft body armor in his backpack, and he was able to put that on. He got to where his sister was, grabbed her, and they fled from the scene. So in in the day and age in which we're living, man, you don't have to be 
in Mogadishu to get attacked by a, a Somali. It seems like you can it can happen anywhere. Yeah, and I think medical equipment is probably one of the most important things you can possibly carry. If you are injured, then anyone coming upon you is you're going to have the stuff to treat yourself right there. You don't have to hope. Well, maybe this person has something. Uh, and secondly, it's much more common that you're going to encounter a motor vehicle accident than you're going to be in a mass shooting. There, there's there's uh, medical equipment covers a broad range of scenarios. Some of the things we carry cover a fairly narrow band, but you should have some medical equipment. And further, you should also have the skill to use it. I don't uh, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier. Might have been before we. Uh, started recording rich but my girlfriend and i were talking this is kind of it's kind of fortuitous we were talking uh, about two days ago uh about taking some classes together and just dude we we do all kinds of stuff together from cake decorating classes to we're going to a shooting class this sunday to whatever and she kind of suggested like i think it'd be really cool to take a wilderness first responder wilderness emt course Uh, so i think we're gonna we're gonna try to find that but if you can, I'd say at the minimum, get to a Red Cross first aid and CPR course. If you've got, if you can do a little bit better than that, get yourself to a first responder or an EMT course. Hundred percent agree. You know, I think I've told you this before, but in the police academy, your department could pay to send you to get your EMT license. So I held it, although it's long since expired. And one of the things with with that, it enabled the department to, if there was a, a ambulance run. And I was closer, you know, those of us that had our EMT licenses would respond, and sometimes we beat the, the ambulance to the scene. So I, I have done a lot of that in, uh, years ago, but I still maintain my certification with basic first aid. Every single year I go down, I take the four-hour class, I get my certifications up because, you know, uh, like you've done TCCC and some other stuff, Justin, maybe you can talk about that on another show, or maybe we can have some experts on, but... I think that's really, really important because you're far more likely to find yourself plugging holes in somebody than you are making those holes in others. Yeah, absolutely agreed, man. Yeah, I, I uh, was qualified as an EMT. Um, I yeah, I've been to live tissue labs using you know live sedated uh, pigs as patients with you know just horrifying injuries uh if you saw that on a per- just absolutely horrifying injuries treating these animals keeping them alive and, and again all humanely all under sedation and all that um but yeah yeah to be clear i'm i'm not a medical professional my any any legal qualifications i've had have been expired for many many years uh, but I, I would like to get that back man and i would like to be a little bit more involved in that uh, and, and just have a little bit more of a qualification there. And, it, you know, if you think EMT is getting too, getting away from the generalist aspect of this too much, EMT is a very, very basic qualification. And I, I would say unless you're, you know, a paramedic, you're still very, very much a generalist, even as an emergency medical technician. Agreed. Um, what else do we need to talk about? All right, man, other stuff. Uh, So we've talked about all the little pockets and pouches and stuff in my bag. I'm going to talk about the big stuff uh, that fills up the most of that main compartment. And, you know, some of the stuff's in the main compartment. The first aid kit, I always put right at the top of it. So first thing you see when you open it is that big red first aid kit. But um, toward the bottom, but still accessible along the sides there are, I, I keep two quarts of water 
in my bag. And I, I'm very, very picky about my water bottles. Um, I could just grab whatever plastic water bottle for free at some conference and use those. And that's probably the financial way to go. But I want water bottles that are a little bit more versatile. So I bought, uh, I will post links to these. That they're made by Pathfinder. They're stainless steel, single-walled water bottles. And I want single-walled for a reason. That's why I didn't buy Yeti water bottles or something like that. I want single-walled because they transfer heat really well, meaning if I need to boil water, I always have a means to do that. Uh, it, and, and this is where I, I really, my brain gets stimulated in thinking about the, the generalist aspect of this. I'm not carrying a highly specialized bottle that only works outdoors. This works for all my day-to-day drinking needs. Uh, it, you know, it's a little dinged up, a little whatever, but it, it's a great looking water bottle. It doesn't look like anything crazy. No one looks twice at it. It just happens to be stainless steel. But if I need to boil water, I can. It's also one quart, which I think is the standard because if you use any kind of water purification tablet, iodine tablet, whatever, it's probably formulated to treat one quart of water. Um, it's a, it has a wide mouth, so I can refill it from very shallow streams, whatever the case may be. Again, the use case for this, it, am I probably going to have to do any of those things? Probably not. But I always want to have some water on me, so why not have it in the most versatile container I, I can possibly possibly have it in. Uh, and on that, Rich, I've just realized as I've been talking, I don't actually carry any kind of water purification methodology other than I, I carry a bandana in my bag, which I could strain, you know, the, some of the grit and pebbles out of water with, but it, that doesn't purify it. Uh, and then I could boil it, but I, I should probably get some, uh, some of those. There, there's some pretty high-end water purification tablets out there that take up hardly any space at all. I should probably it wouldn't hurt to have those in there, would would it? No, it wouldn't. And I and I don't normally carry it. I got a Sawyer squeeze in there that uh, I read some reviews on, and I, I'll be honest with you, I haven't had a whole lot of use for it yet. But it's something that takes up very little room. It's incredibly lightweight, and uh, can make you know a small little Sawyer squeeze if taken care of can make probably a hundred thousand gallons of water. So, and then I'll carry a thirty-two ounce water bottle that. Thread, it's thread compatible with the Sawyer squeeze because, you know, 60% of my body and your body and the listener's body is made up of water. So we are addicted to water, man. we got to have it, so make sure you know how to make it. Absolutely, and that kind of goes back to – so So we're, there are a few specialized items in here like water purification tablets or Sawyer squeeze, fire starters. Those are specialized tools. But looking at the cost-benefit analysis, Rich – it's low likelihood that we will ever need it. Most people will not carry one for the rest of their lives and will get by with it. But some people will not get by with it. And it, it costs us virtually nothing to have it handy. If, if, you know, if, if you had to carry around a 40-pound water purifier all the time and gasoline to run it and, and whatever else, I'd say no. I've, you'd probably be fine without it. But because this stuff is so accessible, so inexpensive, so small and so lightweight, why not have it is is kind of my question same here man absolutely same here um that's really all on the water you know as far as like extra stuff beyond that what other things are you carrying so generally speaking occasionally this comes out and occasionally this gets adjusted uh depending on what i'm doing but 90 percent of the time there's an extra set of clothing in my in my bag uh, there's an extra set, uh, an extra pair of pants, an extra pair of socks, and an extra T-shirt. And this is just, 
I, I've used this quite a bit, man. In that scenario I talked about early on where it took me 24 hours to get from where I left to where I was going, just flying across the country. Had I not had another pair of pants and socks and t-shirt, I would have been pretty miserable, man. It was nice. It was really nice to be able to change clothes. But if I'm on a flight and I spill coffee on my pants, if I, you know, all sorts of scenarios where having, if I'm, you know, out on a hike and get caught in a downpour, it's nice to have a dry set of clothes to put on. Yeah, and I I don't carry that much. I like the idea of an extra T-shirt or whatever. All I, I have a a really small packable uh, down vest that really crushes down into nothing, but can provide a lot of warmth for your torso. I have a pair of gloves that can uh, either be used to you know handle broken glass or barbed wire, or keep my hands warm, as as well as a small. Uh, uh, polar fleece beanie that I can use to warm up. Uh, but that's normally about it. Yeah. So I generally keep a pair, a hat and a pair of gloves in there at all times, just because it, it takes up very minimal space and it just folds up in among my clothes. And I keep those clothes in a, uh, in a waterproof, a waterproof bag that packs down really, really tight. Um, September through May, I might adjust that a little bit depending, but uh, I always keep a warming layer in there too, and usually it's a polar fleece, like a like a half zip polar fleece top that I can throw on under my, you know, under whatever shirt I'm wearing, under my coat, and have a little bit of extra warmth for that. But remember, even if you live in Miami or Phoenix or uh, I don't know somewhere hot, don't count on it to be hot where you're going. And even if it's hot where you're going, don't count on always getting there. I've also been on flights that in flight have been diverted to some other area that had drastically different weather from where I thought I was going. So, you know, uh, I, I don't keep a warming layer in there year round, but even just around home, uh, I, during winter months, I keep, I keep some warming layers in there because, uh, you know, a, a good example is I have some friends that live up in Boston, Massachusetts. And I, I don't know, it was maybe 2009, 2010. There was a big storm that hit unexpectedly. The city made a bunch of, you know, like everybody in that whole city was really indecisive about sending people home. And all of a sudden the sky just opened up and people were stuck on the highway for as much as 24 hours. So you don't have to be in some crazy scenario. You don't have to be flying from country to country to, to have a need for this stuff. So keep it on you. Yeah. I'm just fumbling through my bag here and I saw something else that I really like. It's a it can be used as a neck warming gaiter, or you can get it wet and put it around your neck as a to cool you off as well. So I like those. That's a pretty good little dual-use piece of gear. And the final thing I would say on clothing is I'll, I'll carry, uh, and this takes up, it's a little bulky, but I like the ability to use it as uh, an ankle holster. If, if I'm going somewhere, because, again, this is in my truck, where I, I, I can't have it, my firearm visible, but I can switch it to uh, to my ankle, I'll do that. So that gives me a little bit of versatility. Yeah, for sure, man. So uh, do you keep any food in your bag? I do, and I keep uh, generally one to two protein bars and a couple of gel, uh, those little gel packs that I run in a marathon. I got addicted to those things. They're, it's a lot of energy really quick, and, um, and it's portable, packable, lightweight, small. Uh, I like those. Gotcha. So I generally keep the exact same things in my bag. And 
this is not like, like I said at the beginning, this is not a time capsule of MREs that I'm going to put in there and it's not only going to get touched when the balloon goes up. This is, I snack on this at work. I, it's a constant cycle of use and replacement, but basically I have two small bags and I, I wish I remember what size, but two of the small bags, um, they get for, I don't know, two or three, three or four bucks at, at the checkout line at the grocery store of beef jerky and, you know, Jack Link's, whatever variety of flavors. Uh, I'm constantly cycling through these two packs of beef jerky. I keep two payday bars in there because I happen to like them. Uh, it's basically just peanuts with caramel in the middle or whatever. And I'm going to see if I can track this down. But I read an article that did a nutritional analysis between, a, I don't know, a, what is it, $1.50 for a payday bar and some of the most expensive survival bars you can possibly buy and found that the payday bar is almost as good as any of them as far as nutritional content. Because you're getting a lot of peanuts, you're getting a lot of protein, you're getting a lot of simple carbohydrates and sugars uh, for your energy boost. And then I always keep a couple of granola bars in there, and I always, 100% of the time, will have several individual packets of peanuts and almonds. And nuts are an incredibly dense source of energy. Uh, It doesn't take a whole lot of nuts to make you feel full. They're fairly healthy for you. Um, I'm not going to pack power bars or cliff bars or whatever, because I'm not going to lie to you, man. I think they taste like garbage and I'm not going to eat them. So I know they're just going to sit in there and get beat up for eight months until I'm like, yep, there's a hole in this one. It's spilling out all over my bag. It's time to replace it. Uh, So I try to go with stuff that I know I will use and that I actually like. I did not know any of that about the payday, and that is my all-time favorite candy bar. So uh, uh, that is great news. <laughs> Dude, I love the payday bar. Also, it's pretty durable, man. Like, I can, you know, I've I've had them, like, I, I don't make a point to, like, oh, I have to eat this whole bag this week. Uh, I just eat stuff kind of as I feel like it and replace, like, I have, you know, I, I buy a few paydays at a time and throw them in the cupboard and... You know, if I know I've eaten something that day, I'll come home and replenish my bag. Uh, But I've had paydays that'll be in there six weeks, two months, whatever, and they hold up pretty well. Whereas, you know, they're not very prone to melting. They don't have like an outer layer of chocolate that's all just going to get beaten off or I just said beaten off. Um, That's all going to get knocked off or whatever. They, they hold up really, really well, and they have damn good nutritional content for a candy bar. Oh, no, man. You ain't got to sell me, brother. I'm all over that. I'm going to stock up tomorrow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anything else on food, Justin? No, man. I don't, I don't have any specific survival food or long-term storage food or, or any of that stuff. That's, that's just what I got, man. I think the one final thing we really didn't talk about, and I'm actually reticent to bring it up, but I, I do pair, I carry a pair of uh, handcuffs in my in my bag now. Of course, I don't fly with those in this. Uh, you know, sometimes I've I've flown with zip ties and stuff like that that could be used for other things. But uh, my purpose for this is number one. I'm if I, I'd rather restrain somebody than have to to hurt them. Uh, or to, in order to subdue someone who's mentally ill or having a, some sort of mental health crisis or, or if someone that's, uh, you know, trying to hurt me or other people and I'm in the presence, I'd rather restrain them lawfully than uh, than have to really do serious damage. So that's just something that happens to be in the bag at the, at the moment that I thought I would bring up. I, I like that, man. I, I don't... I don't know that I would add that to my bag, but I, I, I like the philosophy behind that. I like the idea behind that. And you made me think of something 
that I don't have in my bag. But when you mentioned zip ties, there have been a couple of, of bags that I've had. Uh, I've had, uh, I tend to stick with a bag for quite some time. And uh, the last one I had, I always had four or five zip ties in several different sizes, not for restraint purposes or whatever. And I always kept, I don't know, maybe 10 or 15 feet of 550 cord in there. There was just a little tiny pocket that was kind of good for nothing. And I just shoved those things in there and basically forgot about it. And I don't have any of that stuff on me right now, but man, 550 cord is so universally useful for all types of things. I feel like I should add that back into the mix. Well, yeah, and I, and I do carry about 25 feet of, of paracord or 550 cord, whatever you want to call it. And the the little set that I bought actually has, they're like tiny carabiners on either end, so you can use it for that. You could use, you know, if, if I bust a boot lace, I can uh, cut the 550 cord and turn it into a boot lace. It's just so darn versatile, and it's so lightweight, and it can be stuffed into any kind of compartment you know, again, once again, why not? Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm, I'm all about having a little bit of 550 cord because man, it's anybody that's been in the military knows you can, you can gut it. You can take the, uh, those inner five or seven strands of string out and use those for much smaller applications. You can, man, just, just a myriad of uses for 550 cord. And we didn't talk about duct tape and I got to be honest, I don't currently have any, but I have taken duct tape and folded it over to make to where it made a nice square and it could be carried easily i don't currently have that in my bag probably should um but one of the other thing like well at some point we'll talk about the things we carry for our vehicle preparedness uh because some of the things that i have in the vehicle augment this bag like i have a a large tarpaulin that is silver on one side that can be used to make a shelter and with that 550 cord and that tarpaulin you know, I'm I'm going to be making an awesome lean too, but we could go on all day, man. But I think we've we've probably wore the listener out today with this episode. So l- l- let me say one other thing that I keep in my bag. I mentioned it in passing earlier is a bandana, and it's a I I bought a large bandana. I think probably off Amazon, but uh, I, I like having this because. Again, like a lot of these things, there are a million and one uses for it. If you find yourself in a dusty environment, you can cover your face with it. You can use it as a bandage. You can uh, you can tie it over your head to give yourself some sun protection on the back of your neck. You can cut it up into strips to be dressings. Just a million. You can you can roughly filter water with it. All kinds of things you can do with a bandana. It takes up hardly any room whatsoever. Uh, I that's the thing I always hate to be without some, you know, in, in my bag or whatever the case may be. Yep. Agreed. Anyway. Yeah. Like, like you said, we probably, uh, this one has definitely gone longer than anything we have done thus far. So, uh, uh, what, what are we doing now? Well, let's talk about book of the week, man. And and we mentioned it before the show. Um, I, I got this book yesterday and I'm already digging it so much. I'm gonna let it be book of the week. And then when I told you, I liked it, I think you've actually read it. It's Deep Survival, Who Lives, Who Dies, and Why by Lawrence Gonzalez. And um, you've read this, right? Yeah, I sure have, brother. And I recommend this book to absolutely everybody. I love this book. Yeah, well, like I said, I'm probably about an hour into the audiobook so far and, and really digging it. And I think that uh, maybe I'll be able to give a, a better vignette from it at some point in the future. But so far, I, I would recommend it. And uh is there anything in that you remember that that rings rings out? Man, specifically, 
I really like that uh, that Gonzalez talks a lot about, about a lot of specific case studies to try to tease out a little bit of a little bit of kind of principles that make you more likely to survive. And it kind of gets into kind of gets into mindset type stuff and what makes a survivor rather than someone who is not a survivor for, for lack of a specific term for that. But, uh, this is a phenomenally entertaining read. It, it, it gets a little bit of bad press, not very much, but a little bit of bad press because, uh, Gonzalez, uh, to my knowledge is not a scientist and he tries to, I think he does an excellent job as a layman trying to tease out some of these, uh, psychological lessons. Yeah. And I think that's, that's some of the detractors, you know, uh, he's speaking on some things maybe that he's not, uh, necessarily well-versed on, but I, that doesn't detract from, from it at all to me. But anyway, do you want to close this out, brother? Absolutely, man. I would love to. Uh, first of all, we would like to thank everybody for listening to Across the Peak. We would like to thank everybody that has reviewed Across the Peak and rated us in iTunes. We have, man, we have been astounded by how quickly we have racked up some excellent ratings and reviews in iTunes. So thank you guys for doing that. Um, please take the time, if you have not, to go ahead and rate and review us in iTunes. And even better, what would be real cool is if you went to one of your buddies that does not listen to Across the Peak and said, hey, man, check out this show with Justin and Rich. We would love to talk gently in their ear for an hour or so every week. So please share the show with someone that could use it, uh, male, female, uh, wh- whatever we want to, we want to teach these lessons to everybody. Until next week, remember: be safe, and if you can't be safe, be dangerous. You've been listening to the Across the Peak podcast. Be sure to visit acrossthepeak.com for show notes and bonus content. Until then, be safe, and if you can't be safe, be dangerous. Be dangerous.